you're listening to a sermon podcast from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. May God bless you as you listen. Well, again, welcome to this Missions Month. Um, last week, we discovered how missionaries got to the mission field. Uh, we talked about the call of God. We talked about the responsibility we all have with the missionary to embrace the Father's heart for the nations, and to partner with our missionaries to uphold them in prayer, to give generously to the Global Advance Fund, and to think strategically to help them engage in the field they're in. I challenge you to join our membership that if you call loss in your church home to become a ministry partner here, a member with us, and I hope that you will do so today that uh, at the Welcome Center there are sign-up sheets and One of our elders will be in the lobby with a sign-up sheet, and it's a ministry partnership, membership interest night where you can come, ask your questions. It's it's not a commitment right there and then, but it gives you an opportunity to investigate what membership is like here at Lawson, and it's in your bulletin all about that. But at at, uh, Missions Month here at Lawson, we're also holding our, our... annual missions conference on October 21 to 23. We're upholding that. The Alliance of Saskatoon, our eight alliance churches are gathering in different locations to celebrate missions and what God is doing on the planet with the, with the alliance and missions and all eight churches are participating this year. So check out your bulletin for more details on that. Last week I talked about, I was talking with someone that uh, was uh, that I was needing to get some new shoes. You know, now that winter's here, my, my last, f- what, five-year-old shoes are a little worn out, and it's time to maybe start looking. And it got me, reminded me of my, one of my first jobs. I was working at Foot Locker in Saskatoon as a teenager, or sorry, in Regina as a teenager. It was a long commute. Um, <laughs> but when I first entered the workforce, I, I remember the drill. Do you remember the drill? You write up a resume... And when you got it all together, uh, you, you don't just start out with all of your skills and experiences, because when you're just starting out, you don't have much of that, right? You're, you're still fairly new, but you write up your resume, and uh, you pad it a bit, give, make it look a little better than maybe you really are, and uh, you go from business to business asking if you could see the manager or the owner about a job. Of course, you're well-dressed, you've brushed your teeth, you've scoped, you put on your best smile, and you make the pitch that you've memorized for days. And you go to to a business or a store and you say, hi, my name is Mike Newson, and I'd like to talk to the person who's in charge of hiring. I'd like to apply for a job. And then they would, the lady behind the desk would say, well, do you have a resume? And you go, yes, ma'am, I do. And you'd hand her the resume, and she would look at it, and she'd say, thank you, the manager will call you if we have any openings. And that's when you go to the next store and the next business, and you do the same thing again and again and again. Well, nowadays, it's not like that. You can't just go door to door. Seldom do you go door to door. In fact, there's no dressing up. There's no dressing up. There's no brushing your teeth. You can still be in your pajamas and apply for jobs today because it's all done online. They actually don't want you coming to their businesses with a resume to apply for a job. It's just sort of not the way we do things anyway. They don't want to be bothered to talk with you. But optimistically, on your online application, hopefully those prospective employers will will look and see if you have the necessary skills and experience that matches the job that they're needing to fill. And so... Ask yourself this question. That's sort of what we do here. But what does a missionary do? What, how do they find a place to serve in another continent, in another nation? 
Most likely, any new missionary, like Heather Hahn, who, when, when she was just starting out, Heather is here, by the way. Heather and Andres are in Outlook. They'll be here next Sunday, and uh, we'll get them to give a report to us. That'll be awesome. Uh, but thinking again of that new prospective missionary, they have no on-the-job skills yet because they haven't been on the mission field yet, right? Even if they've done a short-term missions project, two weeks on a location overseas doesn't really count as experience. And who knows if they will even end up in the same country that they had their short-term missions project in, but they'll be in a place with a different language, a different culture, different customs than the short-term experience that they had. So what does a new missionary take with them that compensates for their lack of skill and knowledge and experience? Well, let's look at that today. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus really was the first Christian missionary. Luke chapter 4, verse 43 to 44, before anyone was thinking missions, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Who sent Jesus? Well, in John chapter 5, verse 36 to 37, Jesus says this, For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Do you know that that was the arrangement? That the Father sent the Son to come into this world to seek and to save lost people. And, and, and here's the question, the, the uniqueness of Jesus' message. John chapter 8, we'll skip to a bunch of passages here. John chapter 8, verse 28 to 30. Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, that is Messiah, and that I can do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases Him. Jesus claimed that the Father did not send him on his mission alone. Somehow the Father was with him. Let's consider that today. Here's how that happened. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, we hear this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And as we look at the mission of Jesus, it's interesting to note that his mission and his works didn't just begin, didn't begin until his baptism, when the Holy Spirit descended on him. So this is our first point for today. Number one. Like Jesus, missionaries are filled and anointed by the Holy Spirit for mission. Like Jesus, missionaries are filled and anointed by the Spirit for mission. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 37 to 38, we have this in our history of the church. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, After the baptism of John, that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. Jesus was fully divine. 
but he was also fully human. An incredible and indivisible union as the Son of God and Son of Man. And at his baptism, we read that Jesus was anointed and led and empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to carry out his mission. And I love how we've already heard three times already in the scriptures before that God was with him. Is any of that different for the missionary today? No. Because if you've been a believer for any amount of time, then you know that the same Holy Spirit that filled, anointed, and empowered Jesus for mission does exactly the same for all believers today, even the missionary. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 gives us testimony. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of approval on us, set his uh, seal of ownership, the NIV says, on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So did you hear that? You've been anointed too. Because the Holy Spirit indwells you just like Jesus. Say, just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. And yet we've become accustomed, conditioned, to see ourselves as anything but anointed, anything but what God has said we are. Really, we think a very dim and we think very dim and paralyzing thoughts about ourselves. And as a result, we overlook who God is and who God has recreated us to be, born again, children of God, sisters and brothers with Christ, sent by God on mission by him to this world. We allow ourselves, we allow so much junk to define us, worldly junk to define us, junk that has nothing to do with who we are now, but we believe it. Because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we got to say no to those lies that we hear other places. My friend, you are an anointed child of the living God. God called you. He has anointed you to be his ambassador of reconciliation, a sent one to every place and every people that you go to in this world. That's your identity. That doesn't have to be in just a cross-cultural experience either. You are filled with the Holy Spirit so that just like Jesus, say just like Jesus, Just like Jesus, not just a little like Jesus, not sort of like Jesus, but completely like Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, God is with you everywhere you go. Now see, that's where the missionary is maybe different from most Christians. They get that. They really get that. They've owned that. They understand it and they live it. And that's why God has sent them. To be quite honest, that's why God sends them to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other nations in this world. And they go because they know that God is with them. Friends, just like Jesus, missionaries are filled and anointed with the Holy Spirit for mission, but so are you, and so am I, if we'll just wake up to our anointing. Point number two, just like Jesus... Missionaries are equipped by the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus, missionaries are equipped by the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 5, verse 19, we read this. Jesus gave them, that is the Jewish leaders, this answer. Very truly I tell you, 
The son can do nothing by himself. He can only see what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. I've often imagined Jesus and how he must have woken up every morning. He knew he had the anointing on him. He knew he was filled with the Spirit. He knew he was sent by the Father to spread the kingdom of God everywhere in Judea and to build into his disciples the capacity to be able to carry on his mission when he was gone. You know what the Bible says that on a number of occasions that Jesus withdrew to lonely places to be with his heavenly Father. He claimed that the Father was with him, but in his humanity, Jesus was also aware that he had to be with his Father. Why? Well, as he said earlier, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. So where did Jesus see what his Father was doing? Listen to John 8. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. When did the Father teach Jesus? When did he equip him? Friends, Jesus lived every day dependent on the filling of the Holy Spirit. And he spent time alone with God. We read that in a number of locations in the Bible, that he withdrew to lonely places often to spend time alone with the Father. I think that's where he was equipped. Sometimes we get the idea that because Jesus was the Son of God, that he just divinely knew stuff and did powerful stuff and taught wise stuff because he was God in the flesh. Not according to the Bible. Not according to Jesus. And according to Jesus, in fact, he had to be taught to do this stuff to be successful in his mission. But I thought he was the son of God. Well, listen to what the Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be used to his own advantage, another translation says. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. I think the key phrase there is he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Jesus never stopped being divine. He never stopped being in the very nature God. He was God in the flesh. But he humbled himself according to the scripture. He purposefully didn't live on earth with the advantage of his divine nature. Instead, he lived fully and completely human, dependent life. As Paul says, a slave to God. That means that he had to be dependent on everything a human being needs to be dependent on God for. In order to really truly be like us. That means the miracles and the teachings that Jesus did and said were, were not done out of his divine nature. He did them as a man dependent on the Father and on the Holy Spirit. He says, I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. That doesn't take anything away from his divine nature, not at all. 
That, doesn't, that, that, that does, though, however, show us that everything that Jesus did, he wants us to be able to do. Dependent on the Father, of course, through the Holy Spirit's anointing and empowerment. That's why Jesus lived and ministered the way that he did, so that we would know what we are capable of, dependent on the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that anointed, equipped, and empowered Jesus. That same Holy Spirit equips us. How else can you read Acts chapter 1, verse 8? That says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the early church, not just the apostles, all the believers knew this was the new deal for all Christians. Because when the church in Jerusalem gathered to pray, it's recorded for us the way they prayed. In Acts 4, verse 29 to 31, we get this wonderful prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your words with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to, perform, to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the words of God boldly. So where does the missionary get equipped to do the work that they were anointed and called to do overseas? Sure, they get some great classroom time while they're in seminary learning about missions work. But like Jesus, just like Jesus, they must learn to depend on the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit to know what to say and do while they're on the mission field that they've been called to. Just like Jesus, the equipping comes from the Holy Spirit to do missions work. And just like Jesus, that only happens in regular times spent with the Father, being taught by the Father what to do and how to do it. And oh, my fellow anointed ones, listen, that's not just for the apostles. That's not just for the early church or even for our modern-day missionaries like Heather Hahn or Jerome and Morgan. Roman Morgan are back in Calgary, by the way. They got expelled from, from uh, South Asia, and we'll be hearing more from them in the next couple of weeks. But all the believers, all believers are anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of us need to learn from him how to live out the mission of God in our life networks. Do you remember our life networks? If you're new to Lawson, there's a diagram that we use called My Life Network. It looks like this. Let me describe it for you. In the center is you. And as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have Christ in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you live your life, every one of us has these different spheres of influence and, 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 uh, and, and relationships and activity that we're a part of. And the Bible tells us very clearly that as you go into your world, you go with Christ in you. You go with God. God is with you like God was with Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit in you. That's the life we live as believers, right? So how do you know what to do and what to say to those in your life network so that they may be reconciled to God like you are? Because see, that's your mission field right up there, isn't it? That's your mission field. You need a special calling to go overseas, but all of us are sent by God into our life networks to advance the gospel there. All of us. 
and to pray prayers like the early church did, O oh Lord, consider the threats in my life network and enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's how we need to pray in our life network and for them, to advance the gospel there. And just like Jesus, say just like Jesus. Just like Jesus, the equipping comes from the Holy Spirit to do the mission of God there by you. Point number three. You with me still? Say amen. Amen. Point number three, just like Jesus, missionaries get their direction from the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus, missionaries get their direction from the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter four, Verses 1 to 2. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. This is after his baptism. Went into the wilderness. Was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. You ever been tempted by the devil? Jesus went with the Spirit. Jesus didn't just depend on the Spirit to fill and empower and equip him for mission. He also depended on the Spirit to lead him. But remember, through Jesus, though Jesus was special in the sense that he was the divine son of God, he purposefully remained dependent on the Spirit to lead him everywhere he went. See, Jesus lived his life and did his work in just such a way as to show us how to live and serve the mission of the kingdom of God. Because see, if Jesus came and did everything he did as the divine son of God by his own power, then we'd have a great excuse as to why we can't be a part of that, right? Well, you know, he was God after all. And many Christians try to use that excuse. Every pastor has heard people in their churches make that excuse. But there is no excuse. Just like Jesus, say just like Jesus, Just like Jesus, missionaries and even us are filled, anointed, and equipped, and we get our direction from the Holy Spirit just like Jesus. Those first missionaries understood this. If you turn to the book of Acts, chapter 13, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, as some also call it, the book of Acts is the chronicling of the life of the new church and its history and what what it was doing. In Acts chapter 12, verses 25, so near the end of the chapter, and we'll move into chapter 13 for a moment. It says, but when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. In verse, uh, chapter 13 now, verse 1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manea, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, well, that must have been quite the family experience, eh? And Saul. These guys were not apostles, by the way. And it says in verse 2, when they were worshiping the Lord, uh, when they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. 
And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. Notice that the guidance of the Holy Spirit came after they had committed themselves to worship and fasting and prayer. Not a bad prescription, hey, for doing missions work or getting into your life network. Worship, fasting, and prayer. But let's be honest. That's not usually the amount of effort that the average believer today is willing to undertake in order to be part of the mission of God in their life network. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you worshiped and fasted and prayed for your life network? For lost people there. We should be making that a habit, as the early church did. But those who are serious, because those who are serious about opening up their life network to the gospel need to consider this kind of concentrated time in worship and fasting. How much is enough? Well, don't know, actually. I guess till the Holy Spirit speaks to us and leads us, right? And this is one thing that missionaries today learn to do before going out on the field. And the success of their mission is really dependent on it. I confess that my love for food has stopped me from fasting for the gospel. Can you tell? I confess that. And I love food. And I've told myself any time that I think about fasting that, well, you know, I can't do that. I I need food. I'm hungry. But you know what? There are people in my life network that are lost and face a Christless eternity unless I get serious about this and them. So I've started intermittent fasting lately, hoping to sort of build up the discipline of being able to say no to food, to be able to make a habit of this and enjoy it. Right now, I don't enjoy it. Because I don't want to love food more than I love lost people. I don't want my comforts and my other interests in life to rule my calendar or my body. Because like you, I have people in my life network that I care about that still don't believe in Jesus. And I really want them to. And this is what I know. Knowing my own conversion experience, their hardness of heart isn't any more resistant to the gospel than mine was. I know where I came from. And their hard hearts aren't any more resistant to the gospel than those in hard-to-reach nations in the world, right? Right? And their hard hearts aren't any more resistant to the gospel than the people in Cyprus in A.D. 49 when Barnabas and Saul went there. Here's something you may not know. Barnabas was one of the guys that the Holy Spirit set apart to go to Cyprus as a missionary. Church history tells us that on a later mission there, while he was teaching in one of their synagogues in Cyprus, Some of the Jews there got a little agitated by what he had said. They dragged him out, they tortured him, and they burned him alive. So while we depend on the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we need to prepare ourselves for the possible consequences of our obedience. No doubt, this is why many believers today don't really care about being led by the Holy Spirit. Because it's risky. It's risky. It's dangerous. And every missionary that goes out onto the field knows that there are possible consequences for being obedient and responding to the call of God in their life. This ain't no romantic call of God, save the world for Jesus kind of calling. 
This is obedience to the will of the Holy Spirit, plain and simple and raw. Do we see why we need to pray earnestly and fast earnestly for our missionaries? Because the gospel by the will of the Holy Spirit is dangerous. Maybe you've seen it. I was walking through West Edmonton Mall some time ago, not looking for skinny jeans, probably more like corduroy jeans, and there was an art store there. And a picture was hanging in the window of a lighthouse with a massive storm uh, uh, waves crashing against it. And in the doorway, and if you can see, there's a guy just standing there with his hands in his pockets. And under the picture was written, I mean, I, I photoshopped this one but with the words on it, but it said that. It said, the safest place in the world is in the will of God. Quite frankly, that person who put that there does not know what they're talking about. Our obedience to the Spirit's guidance ain't safe. In the will of God is the best place to be, but it ain't safe. There's no question about that. I mean, just ask Jerome and Morgan, who are now back home because they're kicked out of the country for what they're doing. Now, your life network probably isn't going to set you on fire for sharing the gospel with, with them, but there are possible painful consequences for your obedience to your calling and your anointing there. And like me, you, you, you already know that, and that's probably, why, that's probably what keeps you from sharing the gospel at times but all the more reason that we need to spend time in worship and fasting and prayer. And all the more reason we need to pray prayers like the early church did. Now, Lord, consider the threats that are within my life network and enable your servant, me, to speak your words with great boldness. Stretch out your hand of healing and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Because just like Jesus, say just like Jesus. Just like Jesus, missionaries and you are filled and anointed by the Holy Spirit for mission. Just like Jesus, missionaries and you are equipped by the Holy Spirit. And just like Jesus, missionaries and you need to get your direction from the Holy Spirit for everyday life. Sisters and brothers, along with our missionaries, we've got just one shot in this world for the gospel. Let's make it count. That's what Jesus did. In fact, he prayed that exact same thing. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads with me as we pray. In John chapter 17, we have this amazing prayer by Jesus called the, we call it his high priestly prayer. And I want you to listen to the words as I pray them as if, well, I'm just going to read them. This is Jesus praying. I have revealed you, Father, to those whom you gave me out of the world. He's talking about his disciples. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me. And they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but I pray for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. 
and glory has come to me through them. My prayer is not for them alone, though, Father. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me, by the way. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, Father, as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his life. Thank you for his example of what it means to be dependent on you for everything. Thank you for joining us to the gospel. Thank you for joining us to the life of Jesus and that Jesus is with us by the power of the Holy Spirit wherever we go. And thank you for our life network. Lord, you have specially designed and handpicked every individual that's in that life network, I believe. So that we, uniquely us, can be a part of the gospel of Christ getting to them. And you've handpicked us to be your ambassadors there. And just like Jesus, Lord, we depend on you. Anoint us again. Fill us afresh with your spirit. Equip us for the work that we have to do there. And lead us so that we may lead others into a wonderful relationship with the Almighty. Father, be with my sisters and brothers here today. Allow them to grasp who they are now in Christ and to not listen to the lies of the enemy who would desire to squelch the will of God in their life so that they are more afraid of the consequences than they are afraid of not being faithful. Lord, we thank you for the glory that you've given us through Jesus. Not just heaven, but eternal life now to live out the life of Jesus wherever we go. Oh, Lord, you are so great. Bless your people, Lord, today with your presence by your spirit in Christ's name. And God's people said, 